So today's episode is a little different from what you would normally expect from not only my video series, but also here on the podcast. But I did want to share it because I find it fascinating. And I do believe that the hospitality industry would do so much better if it remembered its roots. So let's get started. You're listening to Dread Talk. Hey guys, I am your host, Lady Dreadnought. Thanks for tuning in to this next episode of Dread Talk. So I hope you guys have been paying attention to my social media. I've been giving hints towards this episode like all week. So I gave a hint to it in the last episode um, and then I shared some fun photos. So unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you know what the Titanic is, right? Okay, cool. So if you don't know this, the Titanic also had two sisters, both of, well, Titanic and one of them sank. The Olympic was the only one that stayed in flotation, I guess, um, until it was, uh, what's that word? Disembarked? No, that's wrong. Discontinued? Decommissioned. There we go. I was going to get there eventually. I got there. Anywho, the Olympic was long in use well before the Titanic was. I know there's this conspiracy out there where people are talking about how um, they were switched and it was really the Olympic that sank and the Titanic kept going and then they uh, just, you know, rebranded it to make it seem like it was, you know, the Olympic. That's not true. That's been disproven many, many, many times. So this is, this is the fascinating part. Are you guys ready for this? So my great grandfather wait hold on see my my grandpa and then so my great-grandfather yes my great-grandfather came here from sweden on the olympic so my grandfather died right at the beginning of the pandemic which is it was sad like it really was i hadn't seen him in a while it turned in kind of like an impromptu family reunion as well We were sitting in my aunt's house and they had a whole bunch of documents. And I noticed on one of them, the top of it said White Star Line. And I was like, holy shit. And then right below it, it said Olympic. 45,000 tons, whatever. It had a date. It was all in uh, Norwegian. Wait, or Scandinavian. I can't remember. It was either Norwegian or Scandinavian. Um, I'll get to that next. And I just made this joke and was like, guys, think about it. If this would have been like one ship over, none of us would be here. And like everyone was like, what? And they're like, oh my God, you're so right. Anyway, so this is, I am looking at right now, the White Star Line Olympic ticket that my great grandfather had. Um, He sailed here in 1916. So that's four years after the Titanic sank. How what's interesting, though, is if you look into the history of the USS Olympic, or actually I think it's the RMS Olympic, during that time frame, it actually would have been a troop transport. There are some images where you can see that the Olympic is painted a certain way to make it more indistinguishable so that U-boats wouldn't sink it. There's also stories on how it rammed into a U-boat and sank it. It's it's done a lot of rescues during its heyday as as a really big ship, but... This specific time frame, which was during 1916, but also during November, no, wait, 
not November, it was May. May of 1916, the Olympic had already been commissioned as a troop transport for World War One. So how on earth did my grandfather sail on this here to the U.S.? That was what kind of intrigued me. So either history got it wrong, which doesn't make sense because they do have a lot of documentation on when it was commissioned, decommissioned, etc., or the ticket's wrong. But I'm looking at the tickets and it's not wrong. So there's something that got lost in translation here, lost to history. But one of the cool things about this is that we did get it translated because, again, this is in um, Norwegian. And some of this ticket is in old Norwegian and they weren't able to find the words in the dictionary today. So a lot of it couldn't be translated. But what is very interesting about it is that the White Star Line, the, the Olympic, this was a contract. Okay. So why is it a contract though? I thought it was a ticket. So the contract is... This is what it says in English. Paid 293 kronor, that would be whatever the currency was for Norway, for a steamship and necessary train travel from Fien, Norway, third class, to Newcastle, England, train from Newcastle to Liverpool, and steamship from Liverpool to New York, train from New York to Boston, free transportation between New York and Boston by popular routes. So, Here's something that was interesting that I really wish that modern day hospitality industry also had. Back then, a lot of migrants were coming from Europe to the United States. They wanted to start new. Now, in this case, my great grandfather was traveling with someone, but people had already been established here. Here's where the White Star Line became different from all of its other competitors. First and foremost, all the other competitors, if you were anything like third class or even second class, they would not provide food. You would have to bring your own food. And this is an airline travel. This is ship travel. So you're going to need to bring quite a bit that also isn't going to spoil while you make this trip over the sea. But the Star Lines actually provided the food. And the majority of the migrants that were in third class didn't have a lot of luggage. So their rooms were small, but they were nowhere near like they were described in the Titanic movie. I want to make that very clear. It wasn't like you were stowaway sewage in the bottom with those teeny tiny shitty rooms. You're all together. No, they had their own smoke rooms. They had their own dining rooms dining halls, they had their exercise rooms, they had reading study rooms, and then they had their state rooms, but it wouldn't be called a state room because they're not in, you know, anyway. So, and then they also had restaurants that you can eat and Titanic learned from the Olympics. So they actually had like an a la carte type of restaurant too, that was open 24 seven. But again, every single class had its own dining facilities and it had a menu and it had food provided. And what I found fascinating was that even in third class, the bottom, they had a little bit of everything on the menu. They were really taking into consideration all of the different 
cultures that were combined. They would have Swedish bread. They would have some Americanized food because they're heading to America. They had English food. They had Norwegian food. They had a little bit of everything from breakfast through dinner and snacks, which is fascinating. But what's even more fascinating, let's say you're alive in 1916. Your family has already migrated here to the U.S., you are going to meet them. So here's what happens. You get a contract, a ticket through the White Star Lines. You hop on the Olympic. They put you in your, your room. You're there for the duration. You land, okay? Not only did they arrange transportation from wherever you were in Europe to where they docked to leave, they also arranged transportation as well as accommodations for you when you arrived in America to meet up with your family. And that's what this was. They had provided a train ticket and everything else needed to get you from the port in America to where your family lived in America, wherever that may be. And in this case, my great grandfather was going to North Dakota, to Klum, North Dakota. That's where the farm was. So they arranged for all of that. As soon as he landed, yep, you go here. A representative reached out to him, which I have the letter for, which we'll get to next. And then you would stay the night in a hotel. You'd hop on a train and boom, you'd make it to your destination. It's an all-inclusive type thing. But back then, these liners were used for transportation more than luxury. So modern day cruise ships do have a lot of inclusive things and they do plan out like fun events for you at the different stops they make, but there's a lot that's been lost over time. And I find it so fascinating that the White Star Lines in 1916 had way better hospitality than what we have today. Not to mention with the, the tragedy of the Titanic that people were still willing to sail on the Olympic. So on another note too, the Titanic movie got this part wrong. Third class on the Titanic resembled second class on the Olympic and second class on the Olympic had really nice amenities and really big staterooms. Just keep that in mind. You can find that online. You can look at some really cool photographs, even some videos of all of those, but that is something that that movie did get wrong. Plus, to kind of feed in more to disproving that conspiracy theory that the Olympic was actually sank. So if you look at the historical documents of the Titanic as well as the Olympic, they were pretty much the same size. The Titanic was like a fraction bigger. But what made them different is the fact that the Titanic was built with better amenities based upon what they learned from their flagship, the Olympic. The Titanic was supposed to take over as a flagship, which is why the Titanic had two restaurants in first class versus the Olympic didn't. It's also why the Titanic had better amenities for third class versus the Olympic did not. So if the Titanic is newer, and the Olympic is older. And according to that conspiracy theory, the Olympic was the one sank. And then they just rebranded the Titanic to be the quote unquote Olympic. Then all of those new amenities would be present and they weren't. So there you go. Now here's the letter. Remember how I was mentioning the representative? All right. So April 28th, 1916 
is when this was written and it was a telegram sent to my great grandfather in Norway. So this is a representative and he, this is what he says. He says, through Mr. Manfred Wickstrom, I have received arrangements for space for you and Mr. Anders Johnson. And I have accordingly agreed on your departure from here on the 10th of May. I assume that you have clear papers such as immigration certificate and currency. You must also have a passport with your photograph attached. It would be best if you took off one day to go to Ost... Osterson to procure your passport. I would therefore recommend that you leave home one day early, say on the 5th of May, so you'll have time to arrange all of that in Ostermund. As soon as you arrive, go immediately to the photographer, obtain a photograph of your passport. Immediately after obtaining your photograph, go to the public prosecutor, the attorney, or the police station who will issue you the passport and receive your pass to America. That way, everything will go well. When you have received your passport, Will you then please telegraph me so I will know what day you will leave so I can meet you at the station here. You will have quarters at the Hotel Nadaro's while here. You had better ask for me or my representative about the hotel when you get off the train here. Respectfully yours. And then his name, Norway. So this is what was fascinating. Um, first off, they sent the, the star lines, like this one I'm reading, the White Star Line Olympic. It is in Norwegian, but modern day you can translate shit. So it is, it was sent straight to the, uh, police department, their police station. So this was sent to the police station and that's where they got their passports too. And then this representative was in the United States who had sent a telegram to my great grandfather and said, hey, I'm going to meet you here. When you land, ask for this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The other. And this dude was contracted by the White Star Lines. Now, let's say that you were heading to America first, right? You're like, cool. I'm going to be the first one to go. I'm going to head to America. I'm going to get a boarding pass on the Olympic. I'm going to leave my family behind because that was normal then. And then once there's enough money, I'll send for them. So let's say you went first and you had the money. You, you went ahead and sailed through White Star Line and you got to America. Now, what they did, and this is based upon my research, there probably are other, many other examples too, but this is my example is once you figured out where you were going, you would then contact White Star Lines and say, hey, this is my name. This is where I live. So if any of your family members were ready to migrate here to America, they then would contact White Star Line. White Star Line would have your family's information on file and they would get it all arranged. And they go, cool, go ahead and get this done. We're gonna have a representative reach out to you. And it's everything I just explained. That's what was so fascinating by this. So many people were migrating to the states that White Star Lines found a niche of theirs that they could take hold of and essentially monopolize in the market. No other competitors were doing this. Like they had already done so much. They were providing food. They, they had amazing accommodations. They were setting you up so that you can meet up with your family or setting you up so that you, they can reunite you with your family. Like they found this, this market gap and they owned it and they took control over it. And that is hospitality to a T right there. It's like you're finding this, you're essentially like, 
the definition of hospitality isn't just, oh, we make food for you, make you feel at home. No, it's we are going to take you into our home and we are going to protect you at all costs. That is the definition of hospitality. This is coming from a long, 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 long time ago, where if you were just in the middle of the road and you knocked on someone's door, they would bring you inside and they would treat you as their own. They would protect you if someone showed up, they fed you, they clothed you, they bathed you, they, they gave you accommodations, and they made sure that you found where you needed to go. That was hospitality, and that is what the White Star Line did. Now, here's another cool thing. This one... um letter contract thing and most it's all in Norwegian but there's a couple English parts here on the left um, it talks about how they have passenger expeditions to America Canada Africa Australia New Zealand um, and then it says White Star Line American Line and Dominion Line hmm so in case you didn't know Dominion Line was a shipping company it was a transatlantic passenger line founded in 1870 as the Liverpool and Mississippi Steamship Co., with the official name being changed in 1872. The firm was, in 1902, the International Mercantile Marine Co., and this was founded in Liverpool, United Kingdom. So some cool history. After 1908, the passenger service was operated under the name White Star Dominion Line. And in 1926, the Dominion Line Company was wound up completely, except in the West Indies, with the service itself being renamed White Star Line Canadian Service. Company concentrated on the UK-Canada passenger trade. The line sailed from Port of Liverpool and several ports in the American and Canadian East Coasts, namely Montreal, Quebec City, Halifax, Portland, and Boston. From 1926 to 1992... The company was operated as a regional subsidiary of the United States line. In 1992, Dominion Navigation Company Limited, as it has been renamed in 91, demerged from the United States lines, which was ceasing all service operations. In 1993, the distinctive blue and white burgee with the golden crown dolphin was designed as has remained in use ever since replacing United States lines burgee. Dominion Navigation Company has since been in private ownership, headquartered, headquartered in British West Indies, incorporated as a private company limited by shares. Dominion Navigation Company, sometimes operating as Dominion Cruises, specialized on private luxury cruises in the West Indies and yacht charter in the Caribbean islands. In addition to its presence in the West Indies, the company expanded its operations in Europe with bespoke luxury cruises on the French Rivera, Monaco, and the Italian Rivera in 2017. Now, the American Line was a shipping company founded in 1871 and based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It began, but you weren't going to guess this one, as part of the Pennsylvania Railroad. Although the railroad got out of the shipping business soon after founding the company. In 1902, it became part of the International Navigation Company, with the American line generally handling traffic between the United States, ports of Philadelphia, and New York City, as well as the British ports of Liverpool and Southampton. Sister company Red Star Line handled traffic between America and the European continent, primarily through Belgium. Now, during its existence, this company was the largest American shipping company, rivaled only by the smaller Baltimore-based Atlantic Transport Lines although the distinction is like a marginal one, as well as American Oceanic shipping concerns were dwarfed by British companies such as White Star Line and Cunard Line and the German ones such as HAPAG. I'm going to laugh if that's like pronounced HAPAG. 
<laughs> and I just like, I was like, there's people on TikTok, they're like, N-S-Y-N-C instead of NSYNC. <laughs> so what's interesting is that this letterhead had all three of those lines on it. Now, American Line is not owned by White Star Line. White Star Line is what? White Star Line. Dominion Line, it's interesting that they had White Star Dominion Line in the name. So I'm wondering, not really wondering, but I think what it is, is that this is how they arrange transportation. Um, they had all of these guys working together. So it's it's just a little interesting, these old documents that I now, you know, have. Now, if you've been paying attention to my social media at all, you would have seen a photo of a man riding a horse. That is my great-grandfather who sailed here. Now, interesting to note, um, they did still go through Ellis Island, but I don't know if he actually went to Ellis Island. I won't know that unless I go and see if he's like signed that book or anything. I don't have, no, wait, wait, no, I do. I do have documentation of him going through Ellis Island because I remembered seeing it when I was young, but I didn't see it at my grandfather's funeral. So yes, they did go through Ellis Island. That was part of the, the trip. Anyway, so if you saw this person on this horse, it's a black and white photo. That is my great grandfather. He is the one who sailed here from Norway and then ultimately wound up in North Dakota. And then there's also another picture on there where it looks kind of like a farm. And that's the farm in North Dakota. So it's kind of interesting to look at, especially since my great-grandfather, his name was Al, and he was a farmer. He ended up being in Minnesota later. However, I live in Montana right now, and the rest of my family is like either in Boise or in Washington with some family in California. But for a while there, we all lived in Southern Oregon. So I find it fascinating that my great-grandfather migrated here, was in North Dakota on a farm, then went to Minnesota. And then at some point, my grandfather was born because my dad was also born in that area. He was born in uh, Indianapolis. So they stayed there for a bit before my grandpa and grandma moved to Oregon. And so they were in Oregon near Grants Pass. That's where my aunts and uncles lived there too. Um, and they also had horses. So it was a little tradition. The women had horses and the men had motorcycles. And then right around high school, everybody just kind of moved out. So some stayed, well, I think I was the last one to stay in Oregon before we eventually moved to Boise. Um, but it's just interesting how the, the migratory works with my, my father's side of the family. And now that I'm here in Montana, I'm not that far away from North Dakota. I kind of, since I have these photos, I want to make a stop there and see if it still exists to see if that house is still there. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curious. So some of the other photos I shared, there's one of Wolf Rapids, not far from the house and a site of some future power station. And then there's also a photo of a house. And this is the one that may or may not be in North Dakota. I'm not sure. There's also, if you look at the two, there's the one house that's red. It's red. It's got the front door um, and there's a little uh, teeny tiny little alcove over the top of the door. And then there's another photo that's in black and white that has two women and a man. The man is my great grandfather and the one on the right to his left was his first wife. 
Now, if you shift over to the left of the photograph, you're going to see an old like T-model car. And then there's a house. The house has these steps and the same looking door and the same trim as the red house. I'm curious if they are the same house. And I have at least a, a city and the city is very small in North Dakota. And he did say that he was a farmer and that was his farm. So I'm wondering if the farm is still standing or at least the remnants are. So I'm going to go find out. Now, flashback to the uh, Olympic. You're, you might get a kick out of this. So this is an old menu from the RMS Olympic dated May 30th, 1912. This is, you know, Titanic sinking era. So this is four years before my grandfather, great grandfather sailed on the Olympic. But listen to this, this menu, you guys. So third class breakfast, oatmeal porridge and milk, broiled Cambridge sausages. So there we go. Okay. Irish stew, fresh bread and butter, marmalade, Swedish bread, tea, and coffee. So there's a little bit of a couple cultures mixed in there. The prominent cultures that migrated to the U.S. came from Ireland and Scandinavia or Scandinavian countries. So like Norway, Sweden, etc. So it makes sense that on here they have Irish stew and Swedish bread. But there also were British people that came here, hence the broiled Cambridge sausages. So I find it really heartwarming that even in 1912, the White Star Line was taking in consideration the different collections of cultures they had on board and trying to make them feel at least moderately comfortable. Now, here we go. Here's dinner. This is interesting. They have breakfast, dinner, supper. <laughs> All right. So for dinner, they had barley broth, beef a la mode, lima beans, boiled potatoes, fresh bread, rice pudding, and oranges. And then for tea, it just says tea. And then Leicester brawn, pickles, fresh bread and butter, compote of apricots and rice and tea. And then supper was gruel with cheese. <laughs> but at the very bottom, this is my favorite part. Any complaint respecting the food supplied, want of attention or incivility should be at once reported to the pursuer or chief steward. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Just, you know, they say if you don't talk about history, you, you, you forget it. And then you're also doomed to repeat it. But a lot of history also rhymes, too. And not just the bad should be shared, the good should be shared, too. There's a lot of good that went down in our history. Yes, the U.S. is the youngest of all the countries out there, but there's still a lot of good that happens. And just like there's a lot of good that happened with other countries as well as a lot of bad, the White Star Line had both. There's oh, the, the Titanic sinking was bad. The way that they treated their, their well, I guess maybe not. <laughs> I was going to say the way they treated their guests was great. But then again, look at the Titanic too soon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they tried. All right. But the Olympic was fascinating seeing what they did with their guests, with their clientele and how they really took the definition of hospitality and made it their motto. And then when they were commissioned to be a troop transport during World War One, the things that that ship did is also fascinating. And then, of course, their other sister ship sank. 
So yeah, the Olympic was the only one that was still standing. Um, if you ever make your way to Europe and you go to um, the UK, after they decommissioned the Olympic, they basically salvaged what they could. And a lot of it is in the White Star Hotel. So you can go and see the original chairs, the original bar. You can see the tables. You can see the china. And that's the same china that the Titanic had. So that is something to go see that's really fascinating and would be just breathtaking to see in person, seeing just the craftsmanship that they had then. They didn't have like the huge machines of today where they could fabricate things on a mass level. Everything that was wooden on those ships was handcrafted, hand carved. The tables, the bars, the, the chairs, everything in each class. And it was all unique for that class. So go to the the white star hotel and go check it out go see this and touch a literal piece of history and real quick high note here high note yeah so in 1935 is when the olympic was scrapped uh and the reason why was to create jobs for the poor so just want to put that out there as a fun little fact and the biggest reason is because of the great depression and also because there was a merger of lines so when the White Star Line merged in with, um, I don't remember the name of it, but when they merged together, there was a lot of competition at the time and a slump in trade due, due to the Great Depression. And, well, her operation was increasingly unprofitable. And because of the Great Depression, there was a lot of jobs that was needed for the poor. So that was one of the biggest reasons why they scrapped her. And they merged with the Cunard. Cunard? 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 C-U-N-A-R-D. <laughs> they merged <laughs> and not white star hotel. It's the white swan hotel. I got that completely wrong. It is located in a historic market town of Alnwick, Northumberland, England. It's a 300 year old coaching inn, is grade two listed building. Most distinctive feature is the Olympic suite. Wow. I said that so weird. The most distinctive feature is the Olympic suite. A large room furnished with interior decorations from the RMS Olympic. So, there you go. If you were ever out there, I would suggest you go stay at the White Swan Hotel so you can see the what's left of the USS Olympic. I know that some people talk about, like, the Queen Mary, I think is what it's called. And it's like this haunted ship, ocean liner. Um, that's not part of the White Star Line at all. It's not at all. <laughs> but... If you want to see what the Titanic may have looked like, that would be your closest bet. But be prepared that thing is haunted. I don't even know if they take reservations anymore. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for this episode. A little short and sweet. Um, but did want to share some fun, cool history that I found. Again, history should be preserved. And the best way to do that is through sharing. So sharing is caring. Now you know. Um, not only what the definition of hospitality is, but now you know how cool the White Star Line was in the fact that they did all of that for their guests, regardless of if they were first, second, or third class. And I feel that today's society should remember that a little bit more because being nice is free and they did a lot of nice things for free. They did a lot of like, hey, we're going to transport you from A to B for free. So just remember that there's, there's, it's not a waste of time for you to be nice to someone. And if a huge company like this, that in today's money was worth billions, was able to do this for even their third class citizens, 
Why can't you do it? Like, what's your reason? Just be nice. And that is it. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Little sneak peek. The next episode is going to be about horrible bosses. So if you have some stories you would like to share, please head over to my website at beacons.ai slash ladydreadnought. Scroll down till you see a square that says submit your story and click it and share away. And maybe you'll be featured in the next episode. Until then, thanks for listening. I am your host, Lady Dreadnought. Stay motivated and I'll see you in the next episode of Dread Talk.